Here I go again Same old boss, same old friends It's just my place for security Place like home friends like you and me Here I go Hello everybody, welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show podcast. We are here in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls, the best little city in America, Ooh. as usual. Ooh. From uh, the Full Circle Bookshop book uh, Co-op, Full Circle Book Co-op, uh, your uh, conservative, communist, left-leaning, libertarian bookshop and cafe at 123 West 10th Street, where this fine live podcast emanates from. And uh, I got to tell you, we have a little bit different show for you today. A little bit different. We're, we're getting off a little bit of our normal city politics. And I tell you that only because there's no city council meeting tonight. It's that uh, like, the, it's like the fifth Tuesday of the month, fifth Tuesday when we don't have city council. So this is not going to be about city politics. All right. And I know that that may make you weep gently inside, but that's OK. That's OK, because we are gonna, still going to talk about things that are near and dear to the city of Sioux Falls. I'm very happy. Uh, we're going to talk about books. Well, we're going to talk about literature. We're going to talk about writing as it applies to Sioux Falls. And before you um, like move on to something else, which there isn't anything else, but it, it, stay with, so stay with us. We're gonna talk about a project here that um, I've been involved with kind of tangentially because I'm not that smart, but with some people that are, uh, th so think about this for a minute, uh, a book of writing about Sioux Falls. And I don't think anything has been done in this manner before. Uh, that is that is writing by Sioux Falls uh, people about Sioux Falls that has Sioux Falls themes that is that is connected to our city in some way because we are uh, you know we're out here in the middle of America and we're 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 kind of isolated sometimes but we want to tell our story and so I'm very happy today to have on the podcast uh, three gentlemen who are uh, I mean you know smarter than me but but that's pretty much everybody that's on the show except for Matt Staub. Um, uh, we, we have with us today Patrick Hicks, who's the writer in residence at Augustana University and just, you know, fabulous dude. Had him on the old radio show a couple times and we had a great time. And it's also, uh, Patrick, before we move on, yeah. you have, uh, is it Studio 47, right? Poetry from Studio 47. It airs every Friday on our NPR affiliate, uh, South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Five to seven minute show that highlights poetry from the Midwest, the West, and beyond. And it's it's awesome. So you, you can tune into public, and probably get it online, right? It's on the Oh, website. yeah, it's online. Yeah. You can find back episodes at ps47.org. Awesome. And that it emanates from, you produce that Studio already. 47 in the Humanities Division at Augustana. And it's a fabulous show about poetry, but it's poetry from everywhere, right? It's whatever is affecting you. It is, yeah. I try to focus on, on on poets from South Dakota, the Midwest, but I uh, we'll go back in time. We'll go, you know, and we'll we'll get a bunch of uh, people that uh, basically are telling good stories because that's all the poetry is. They're tiny little stories. So if you're listening to this and going, poetry isn't my thing necessarily. Poems are just stories, and I intentionally choose. Uh, I choose work that will have those driveway moments for you where you got to hear the end of the poem. It's yeah, awesome. And it's all part of the In the Moment program. Yes, it is, with Lori Walsh. With yep. Lori Walsh, who's yep. awesome. Um, and our, our second guest, also from Augustana, Colin Irvine. He is the Vice President of Academics at Augustana. And Colin, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. Um, and you... Um, you are new to the city, right? I am new, relatively speaking. I'm deep into my second year, having started in June. 
uh, a year ago. So basically, I've been here about 10 years. Well, welcome. In academic years. Well, we appreciate your perspective on this fine work. Thank you. That we're going to discuss here in a moment. And then, of course, uh, John Lauk, who uh, I've you know, known for you know, a while now that I think about it. Uh, John uh, is local author, we'll call him. Uh, obviously, many people know you, right? You're, you're, you're infamous, famous. You're in dating parts. us a little bit. Yeah, this goes way back. It does. To the political wars of the early 2000s. Something like the, we can call it the Troubles. Patrick, <laughs> Pat, Patrick Hicks is a dual, holds dual citizenship in the uh, United States and Ireland. That's correct, yeah. And, and Proud citizen of Ireland and America. And, yeah. and teaches about the troubles at I do. Augustana. Yeah. Our troubles were in the early 2000s and involved John and I. <laughs> <laughs> and John's wearing green, I noticed. He's yeah. representing the Catholics, apparently, today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's cool. You know, our, our guests, uh, my co-guests, are way too... Humble. I mean, they've done amazing things. Uh, Patrick has many books out there. And this show that he's doing now for public radio, it really rivals uh, the show that Garrison Keillor used to do every morning. Absolutely. Uh, Writer's Almanac, only for our region of the country and kind of focused on the Dakotas and Iowa and and, uh, Minnesota. So uh, he's kind of stepping in to fill some big shoes there. And Colin is a... English PhD, interested in regional writing, and that's kind of our topic today. Yeah, awesome. Wait, see, see, John, nice work. Way to, way to link us back. Way to pull this, this thing back out of the muck. Um, <laughs> no, we are here because uh, we've been talking about, um, and John, I, I think it's, it, it, you need to sort of explain all this because we're talking about creating um, and, and just uh, sort of compiling an anthology of Sioux Falls-based writing, literature, that you have some connection to the origins of this. So tell us, just give us some background of what we're talking about here. Well, this all started probably five years or, uh, or so ago uh, when I met this woman named Ann Trubeck, who was a English professor at Oberlin College in northern Ohio. Uh, Oberlin's kind of a suburb of Cleveland. And she famous, got, famous private university. Right? Yeah, 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 very prominent. Uh, has been making headlines the last few weeks for getting sued and getting a eighty million dollar judgment against them. I don't know if you saw that Whoops. article. <laughs> Did not see that. And uh, I saw in the paper today they only have a fifty million dollar endowment. So I don't know how they're going to cover that. Now, so, what uh, uh, was it like? A uh, what was the lawsuit? Uh, this is totally inside. What was the topic? Of well, the lawsuit was there was a grocery store in the little Ohio town of Oberlin, yeah. which was accused of uh, not serving or kicking out some African American wow. patrons, which actually was not true. But some people at the university kind of perpetuated Got this, it. and so they were sued by the grocery store and liberals in federal court in Ohio. They. Got this huge judgment rendered against them. So, anyway, but the former Oberlin College. Be that as it may, um, Ann Trubeck yep. uh, was a great professor of English there, and she was frustrated, like a lot of us in the middle of the country, with the lack of interest um, and the lack of attention to what goes on in the middle of the country. So, she decided to uh, work on this book about Cleveland. And uh, the book was called um, Rust Belt Chic, Writings About 
Rust Belt America or Middle America or something like that. And the book turned out to be a huge hit. And so she left her job and started this company called Belt Publishing. And they have done anthologies for many towns or many, many cities in the Midwest, from Flint to Milwaukee to Minneapolis to Green Bay to Chicago. Um, I think Sioux Falls will be as far west as they've gone because they started off as kind of a Rust Belt mm-hmm. focused publishing series. And Sioux Falls is really not a Rust Belt city. No, God no. I mean, we have some older industry here, but it's not like Akron or Flint or. Dayton. Yeah. Ugh. So it's a little bit different flavor. But I talked to Ann about our idea, mm-hmm. and she was very excited. She thought that this would be a great idea. And so she's uh, been very encouraging and wants us to put together a book on Sioux Falls. And I think the timing is very good, right? Because there is this, and, and, and Patrick and Colin can, talk, can speak to this. Patrick, who's been here for uh, almost 20 years now. Almost 20. But is not a native. Nope. And, and Colin, who's been here, is working on his second year, talking about this sort of burgeoning interest in who we are. Right? I mean... That kind of gets to what it is. Uh, Patrick, I want you to talk a little bit about just like when we're, we're talking about authors, yeah. we're talking about topics, and we're talking about what is it that represents us, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm interested in your perspective as being here now for a while, being an author of, of multiple books. You're a poet and also a, a his, historic fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and someday we'll get to talk all about all that. Love it. But... How does, a, how does a place uh, identify itself through writing, through literature, through poetry? And, and what are you looking for when we start talking about yeah. this? Yeah. You know, that's one of the thing, things about the arts. Uh, I think an awful lot of people sort of see them as secondary and not quite as important. But, you know, the arts uh, encapsulate the voice of the time, and then that's, that's pushed forward. It's like a time capsule. I'll give you a more concrete example. If I want to know about Elizabethan England, I'm not going to look at the politics at the time. I'm not going to necessarily look at the Reformation. I'm going to pick up a play by Shakespeare. And I'm going to read that play by Shakespeare, and I'm going to feel like, aha, I understand Elizabethan England a little bit better. Uh, if, I, if I want to understand London in the 1850s, I can read a ton of political stuff. I can read all these sociological tracts. I can study the art. But if I pick up Dickens and I read Bleak House... I'm going to be submerged into, into London in the 1850s and 60s in ways that I just can't with other forms of art. I'm not saying that, it's, uh, not, that those aren't important or valuable. I'm just saying there's something about putting yourself into a story and you're sort of hitching a ride back in time. So with a project like this, it captures the voices of Sioux Falls as it is today, and you know maybe we'll have some voices from the past as well. But really it's kind of preserving almost like in this sort of uh, amber, if you will, uh, the voices of, of who we are. And I have very strong feelings that if you don't support the arts, um, you're, you're silencing the voice of yourself in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, the, the arts also allow us to express sort of what's going on today around us. So that's the, for me, this is what's really exciting about this project. Um, and I also believe that if you want to understand a place, you've got to talk to the writers and the artists. You've got, to st- you've got to look at the photos. And I see this as a fantastic opportunity to put all of this together to sort of present Sioux Falls to a, to a much larger audience and also to ourselves because it's a two-way sort of thing. It's a mirror. 
You read the book and you're like, ah, yes, and maybe you'll see things about Sioux Falls that you hadn't thought of in quite the same way. Yeah, because everybody has a different perspective. Right? Yeah. I, love this, I love this analogy to Dickens in London because, as we know, John Locke, being a historian, history lies to some degree. Every, every piece of history is an interpretation of what happened. Literature being fiction, at some measure, gives you a, a, a door into reality. Dickens yeah. is a great example. How do we find that? You know, and I feel the same way about Walt Whitman when he was writing about the American Civil War. You know, that's raw, it's painful, it's honest, it's contemporary. So I understand the American Civil War better by reading Walt Whitman. That's amazing, and, and uh, it makes you think about yourself maybe yeah, a little more. Yeah. Uh, John, you are a, a historian. You are a classically trained historian, as well as a fan of literature. And I'm wondering how you see finding how, how this is an interpretation of who we are from a historical perspective, gathering literature and writing and the arts into this collection. It's not all, it's not all nonfiction, or it's not all fiction. It could definitely be, there's room for everything in here, right? So how does this book represent us from a historical perspective? Well, I think the book will do two important things. Number one, everyone wants to know about their identity, what makes them who they are, and a lot of that comes down to where they grew up, what their uh, foundational influences were, and I think we all would do well to explore that uh, in greater detail. Um, you know, sometimes we get busy in our daily lives and, and we uh, drive mindlessly to work, drinking our coffee, listening to NPR, and, and not thinking about deeper things, and this book will give us a chance uh, to think about this place that we inhabit and what it all means. Secondly, there's going to be a lot of people considering moving to Sioux Falls. This is a growing metropolitan area, 200,000 plus, big hospitals, big corporations, and they're going to be trying to make a decision. Should I move to this place I've never really heard of that I confuse with Sioux City? Um, God what forbid. is it about? Uh, what are its major institutions and who are the famous people from there and what have people said about it in the past and we want people to go on Amazon and do one click and have yeah. this at their front door in a few days and think about it Yeah, you certainly don't want uh, people's impression to be uh, Pat O'Brien's book no I get no comment on that that's okay that's my, that's my standard Pat O'Brien joke yeah there's another this is another Lally War from the early <laughs> Is part of the Brian, like master and commander? Is no, 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 no. Pat O'Brien, famed sportscaster Pat O'Brien. Oh, okay. Yeah. So famous, I don't know who he is. Oh, I got, we'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> you would know when you, as soon as you see him. Not a big like, sports guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Olympics. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. It, no, you'll be go. Oh. Lally and O'Brien had a lot of run-ins in the oh. early 2000s. It involves later. hookers and blow, and it's not, it's not pretty. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, Anyway, uh, just to, to remind people, we're here at the Full Circle Bookshop, uh, Book Co-op, your uh, conservative, communist, left-leaning, libertarian bookshop and cafe in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls on West 10th Street, just off the Phillips Avenue Strip. Uh, and I should mention, we have a sponsor on this program now. Did you know that? No. Sponsor, uh, North U Bait and Tackle. I love those guys. Yeah. They're, you, well, you're huge. Yes, I hooked you up over there with a lovely fishing shack. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. You're uh, welcome. I bought my... Um, my ice fishing shack uh, there in December. Yeah. And you got me a deal. I did. 50% off. Was that the deal? Yeah, it was. 
No yeah. wonder I didn't get any cut on that deal. You selling that son thing at cost. <laughs> That's of course you can get all your bait and tackle over there, Northview Bait and Tackle and North Kiwanis Avenue, just off Russell Avenue, Russell Street, and uh, they also have, of course, propane, propane accessories, uh, U-Haul rental, um, and and this is the key thing here: high-end cat food and dog food. So. If you need any of those things, I did not see that coming. That's no, good. No, I don't, yeah, that's right. One-stop shop. It catches you, doesn't it? Oh, it catches you. you. I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> North U Bait and Tackle, sponsor of the Patrick Lally Show, and we do appreciate that. We return to our conversation with Patrick Hicks, who is a writer in residence at Augustana University. John Lauk, local author and raconteur, uh, and uh, Colin Irvine, who is vice president of academics. That's the best title we've ever. No, I think. I think, Colin, residence, I think Colin's got a better title than me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> vice president of academics is probably the best title we've ever had on the program. So congratulations, Colin. And we're talking about the, uh, I've arrived. the plans plans for a Sioux Falls anthology of writing, literature, poetry, uh, nonfiction, just sort of a reflection of who we are in words. Um, and I've been very happy to be talking about this with these fine gentlemen. Uh, Colin, uh, you are the the newest member of our community here, and I'm. Um, I'm just interested in your, we were talking beforehand in this, this notion of, of, of welcoming, right? And, and like of all the places you've lived, it's the easiest place to get on a softball team. So what, is that, what does that say about us here in, in our fine community? Well, you, know, you were talking about sort of Rust Belt cities. And I lived in Milwaukee for about five years when I was in grad school. I lived in Minnesota for about 12. I'm from Boise. This is the place that I've lived where everybody works for the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> everybody I meet wants to make sure that I'm happy I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I've never had that experience. And I lived in Montana both for school and before I was here. And there's this insistence, especially from people who, who didn't grow up here, who've moved here, to want to make sure you've experienced what they experienced and you're here to stay. Mm -hmm. They just want you to like them, Colin. They just... <laughs> They desperately want your approval. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. They're not that friendly. They just want you to say you're not that bad. Thanks for throwing a blanket over that. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I've been here a while. I might be jaded. Uh, Clearly, you're not one of those working for the chamber. Not, no, no, I am. I love it here. Best little city in America. That's mine, by the way. You'll see it on uh, Wikipedia, but that, that is mine. Go ahead. Well, to, and to go back to, to John's point from earlier, I'm interested in the history, but I'm, I'm more interested, as far as this project goes, in, into the phenomena. Like, I grew up in Boise. When we moved there in 1972, there was about 90,000. Mm -hmm. Now there's about 680. Yeah, it's huge. And when, when my wife moved out there from Minnesota, she said, when I was growing up in Minnesota, the place you said as the random place you could end up is Idaho. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up here in South Dakota. And in both cases, it's like, how, do, how did we get so lucky twice? Mm -hmm. and, and how is it other people don't know about this? Now, everybody knows about Boise. That one's kind of out of the bag. But we were three and a half, four hours away, and we are so surprised at how much we like it here. Yeah. We don't have any mountains. What, what is it, the Wasatch? Wasatch? What's, what? I've met a lot of people in Boise who've seen the mountains and never been in them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to say that about Minneapolis. People I knew who moved to Minneapolis, yeah. I went to more uh, live music shows in Minneapolis than they did. So, you know, that's, it's a matter of home is where the heart is, right? Right, right. Exactly. Um, so, uh, in terms of literature, um, it, it's, it's tough. You guys, you've just been here a little while. What is there? Is there anything unique? Okay, we think about the South, right? Yeah. 
and clearly the South is this bed of incredible American literature. There's no denying that. There's something unique about that, right? There's something about the West when we think about some of the great Western, you know, uh, Cormac McCarthy, just these massive, huge, epic pieces, right, to match the geography. And, and New York City, again, every, all these things to me are always driven by geography. And when you think about Sioux Falls, South Dakota, how, does it, how do we reflect that in, in literature, in writing? How does our geography affect how we express ourselves? I think for sure with the expansiveness of the, the prairie, um, you know, that does something. It seeps into you. You just need to drive across the prairie, and um, you, can, you get a real understanding of why the Lakota spirituality looks the way that it does, with that, that sense of the sky and the land. And, um, but you, you touched on something which I find really kind of fascinating, is that we do have the South, which has a very distinctive mm-hmm. uh, identity. We've got the East Coast, a very distinctive identity. The West as well. The Southwest, I would even add them in. When you come to the Midwest, it's kind of like people aren't yeah. in, entirely sure <laughs> what that looks like. And I would argue that if you make it as a Midwest writer, you get absorbed by the larger American canon. You know, you think of some of the amazing writers that have come from the Midwest. You know, Fitzgerald, Hemingway, you know, Louise Erdrich is writing in Minnesota right now. And we don't think of them as Minnesota or Illinois writers. We think of them as American writers. Mm -hmm. And I find that monumentally frustrating, especially since I am a Midwest writer. Um, because what does that mean? I mean, it, you, you could either be representing the entire nation and absorbed by the national canon, um, or you don't have uh, this sort of voice. We think of Faulkner, for example. He's a Southerner and an American writer. Mm-hmm. But if you make it as a writer from the Midwest, you're sort of just American. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a real kind of... Uh, th- that, that causes some friction for me, yeah. quite frankly, because this place molded who we are. And you grew up in Minnesota. I did, right? yeah. But you were... Were you born in Ireland? I wasn't born in Ireland. My, mom, my, mom's, mom. my mom was born in Northern Ireland, yep. Um, and then she immigrated when she uh, met my American father. So, yeah, I was uh, raised in Minnesota. So you have a really weird conflict. Totally there, right. You have the there are other Northern, weird things, but that's Northern weird, yeah. Irish and Minnesota yeah. uh, uh, sort of uh, the influences meeting in the middle and creating their own sort of ecosystem. Yeah, and um, my mom's Protestant, and I was raised Catholic, which doesn't mean anything to most people, but... If you're Northern Irish, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's and, kind of a small problem. The, the other thing I would build on that, though, sometimes I wonder if it's regional, and other times I wonder if it's the size of the city. So as an example, Stegner was able to write about white mud in Canada, and he's able to write about Montana and Great Falls. He could never write about Salt Lake, which is the city that he loved the most. Interesting. And, and there's, we struggle with this size city in writing. People can write about New York, they can write about Chicago, mm-hmm. they can write about tiny cities, even in western Minnesota. But we've had a hard time capturing this sort of medium-sized city. Like Bill Bryson writes about it a little bit, but it's anywhere, anywhere in, the, in America kind of childhood version of not that city, but that experience. Like, so capturing this size, I think, is still elusive for Is it this idea that you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't really succeeded in life, right, if you didn't get to go to Chicago? If you didn't do it in, in Miami or L.A. or whatever, and if you are from a smaller place, yeah. right, oh, you only made it right. this far. You only made it to Des Moines, Omaha, Kansas City, whatever it is. And there, there's the Chicago story, and then there's the small town story. Mm-hmm. There's the New York story, and there's the small town story. But for me, in my experience, what's the Boise story, or the Spokane story, or the Sioux Falls story? I, I don't know that anybody's captured that 
experience yet. And yet, most of us have that experience. Yes. Somewhere so, between suburbs and cities, sorry. And, and that seems like it's very American, what you're describing. Yeah. I, I totally, totally agree. And when I think of like Irish writers and English writers, you know, Joyce made, James Joyce wrote only about Dublin, mm -hmm. a city roughly at the time about the size of Sioux Falls, and yet he made it his entire universe. So it doesn't seem to be a problem for Irish writers, and then you get English writers that are very happy to write about the pastoral rural countryside, but there seems to be something about the American imagination that you have to go someplace else from where you started to say that you've made it. There's some journey and it's physical. Yeah. Can I uh, throw out a name uh, in this context? Patrick and I were at the uh, South Dakota Festival of Books the last couple of years, and we had dinner one night with a woman named Diane Johnson, and she wrote a memoir uh, put out by Penguin called Flyover Lives. Mm -hmm. She grew up in Davenport, Iowa, mm -hmm. and uh, it is a wonderful recollection, reminiscence about growing up in Davenport. Now, she left Davenport, Iowa as soon as she could as a young woman, ended up in Paris most of her life, and ended up doing the screenplay for The Shining. That's what made her famous, oh, okay. uh, among many other famous books. But uh, when she turned 75 or so, she did this uh, thoughtful book on growing up in Davenport and what it all meant and what was her identity as a young woman. And it's a beautiful... Uh, it's a beautiful book about uh, a small Midwestern city and what it means to grow up there. So that's one of the models we can yeah. draw. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, which brings us to this whole uh, definition of Midwest, which we've talked about many times. So are we? So Sioux Falls, though, I, I think this is very interesting because we and you know, God, we've talked about this so many times. Um, what is the Midwest? And and John, you are obsessed. How much time do we have? Wait, not much. Well, we have as much as we it's a, it's a podcast, but these guys are just going to walk out at some point, and it'll just be you and I. It's a mic drop. Yeah. Um, do you really consider Sioux Falls a Midwestern Absolutely. city? Absolutely. We're, we're, but we're, we're South Dakota. Absolutely we are. So, but once you get past Mitchell, man, that is not the Midwest. That is the West. Yeah, but we're not past Mitchell. We're on this side of the we are very much in the Midwest. And let me throw out a... We have a packing uh, plant. That's probably the... That's a good sign of Midwestern uh, agrarianism. But let me throw out a little plug for a book published by Augustana University's Center for Western Studies, which is only about a mile from here, um, entitled The Interior Borderlands, uh, Where Does the Midwest End and the Great Plains Begin? And I'll, I'll give you the short version about the 100th meridian, which is the Missouri River. Too so far. that's too far away. Somewhere between Mitchell and the Missouri River. <laughs> yeah, Gimbal. But we're definitely in the Midwest. We're part of that, that orbit of, of people. But the people in the, what would be the heart of the Midwest would never really accept us, right? They would never say, oh, look at those are, they'd be South Dakota. So we sort of lost out here. Well, it, it depends lost. on what they think of when they hear South Dakota. If they think of the Black Hills, they think of the High Plains. Yeah, that would be sort of Western. But if they think of Sioux Falls, they might be, oh, that's the eastern side of the state. So, And, and, and to wrap up, I like this idea. And, and uh, we've been talking about James Fowles a lot, who's a writer for The Atlantic. Um, and he and his wife uh, famously made this tour of small towns and wrote about Sioux Falls in their book. Um, 
and now they're coming back and doing a documentary for HBO and there's all this stuff going on. What does that all mean, John? I mean, is that is that is there really something going on or is it just something we talk about to make no. ourselves feel good? Something is going on. I think uh, I think we've made it as a city and a lot of people in the city don't realize it yet. Um, but the fact that Fallows has noticed before we did, or a lot of people in this city have noticed, um, should should tell us something. You know, you talked about the artistic scene. I went to what I thought would be a uh, a small, low budget film over here at uh, the uh, Pavilion. Uh, it was a film made by a South Dakota filmmaker, uh, and it was about growing up on the prairie, etc. And I thought, oh, it'll be me, Patrick Hicks, maybe Lally, and, and three other people. And I got in there. There wasn't a seat in the whole place. And so I think it showed the power of this kind of artistic scene and all the things going on here. You know, one of the most amazing things that I've experienced in this town in a long time was Saturday night. I, on a whim, stopped by the Brule concert at the Levitt. And now... Um, Paul LaRoche, who started really amazing story, we don't need to go into it. Many, many, many years ago, I had had contact with Paul, um, and he let us use some music for a project I was working on. They had the biggest crowd they've ever had at the Levitt this summer. There were 8,000 people there. It was spilling completely into the streets hmm. for Native American New Age music by a guy from South Dakota. Um, I think you're right. There is this like hunger for who we are, right? Is that it? Yeah, we made it. And, uh, Woohoo! Our, we made it, everybody! <laughs> we made it to the big time. Uh, and, you know, Augustana University, which we've been talking mm-hmm. about, two of our colleagues here today work there. I mean, they're headed for Division One and bigger things. I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase. I hate what it means for the academics at Augustana. Why? I know it's not a bad thing. I know. I just hate the phrase because it's so sports-centric, and it's not about sports. It's about Vision 2030, right? But it's not about sports, just sports. I know if you go to D1, everything, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Yep. They're gonna, yep. It's going to help their it's academics. Awesome. But it's just a sign Put it, puts them on the map. of the growth of the city. Make National a, recognition. National recognition Which for I, the university. Yeah, because... You know, I'm with our Augustana students day in and day out during the academic year, and I would put them up every time against people that at the Big Tens or the Ivies. I've taught some incredibly young, incredibly smart young men and women. Um, the, the, the students that we get at Augustana keep me coming back year after year, and, you know, I love teaching there. Well, now you're screwed because your wife loves it here. Yeah, she does. And she's yeah. British. So she is British. We're staying. We're not even going into that. Um, <laughs> Patrick Hicks, he is writer in residence at Augustana University. John Lau, local author and raconteur. You're pointing at me. I got one last thing to add. All right. So we're planning this book about our fair cities. And we want people to be a part of it. I mean, uh, so you have a lot of creative people that listen to your show. We want them to think about various angles on this city, what life is like here. And how do we do this? Yeah, how do we bring these people together? Where where can people give input other than right here, right now, with our studio audience? Um, We will in in the next month put out a call for proposals, and we will ask everyone who's interested to give us their ideas, and uh, we'll put together a plan for the book based on that. 
will be, uh, we, we might have to engage a media relations professional for that, but we will get the word out. Uh, uh, John, thank you for that. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, Colin Irvine, he's vice president of academics at Augustana University. And we'll, you know, maybe we'll just get, get together and talk about Augie for a while. I, I got some jokes that you guys might not appreciate, but that's fine. Viking um, related? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, something like that. Okay. Um, and again, just thank you to uh, the Full Circle Book Co-op, your conservative, communist, left-leaning, libertarian bookshop and cafe at 123 West 10th Street in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls, and our sponsor, Northview Bait and Tackle, out there on North Kiwanis Avenue. Bait, tackle, live bait. Tackle. You got leeches, you got the grubs, you got all of it out there. Uh, and... Uh, Great selection of Mr. Twisters, too, I've yes. noticed. Mr. Yes. Twisters. Mr. Twisters. Okay. I, I actually have spent some time uh, working at the Northview Bait and Tackle for my friend Matt Staub. And uh, it is, if you want, honestly, this is the place where you go where you want to know what's true. You can go to the high-end kind of fishing stores. You'll never get the real story. This is the place where you go where you find wisdom. You know, last January they really saved me because my uh, battery burned up on my ice auger. They had a replacement battery. They got everything there. They had to blow the dust off it, but you had one. I had one. And uh, not to mention U-Haul, propane, propane accessories. Of course. Of course he's got it. He's a nice fisherman. I got him. You should see the shack that this man has. (laughs) It seems oxymoron. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, North Bait and Tackle, they've got the U-Haul, they've got the uh, storage, they've got the propane, propane accessories, and of course, high-end dog and cat food. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, Thanks for being Thank here. You. I really appreciate Thank it. You, it was fun. Thank you, and, Patrick. And uh, we will uh, see you next time there's an actual city council meeting. We'll, talk, we'll get back to city politics. There's something going on. But it's, you know, you can't. Something about summer makes people be a little nicer. They want to go fishing. That's true. Yeah. Teresa Staley loves the fish. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on the Patrick Lally Show. <laughs>
Take me to the place you call your foreign land 